Welcome to America's Top Rabbitsons. May this class be for Rafu Shalema, for Miriam Bat Anita, Raphael Hayim Mayor Bensima Hasya, Leah Hanna Batova, Nahara Halal Bat Liva Batsheva, and Liba Bat Esther. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rabbitsons YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I am honored to have on today's show Orly Wakba. Orly is an international motivational speaker educator, entrepreneur, author, and community activist. She's passionate about inspiring people to make the world a kinder place. Orly is the founder of LifeVest. LifeVest is a nonprofit organization with a mission to inspire, empower, and educate people of all backgrounds to lead a life of kindness. The goal of the organization is to build a generation of strong, confident, and kind leaders who place character and values at the forefront of all that they do. Wow, this is an incredible mission. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, you know, for this interview. So my goodness, there I, I'm involved in a lot of different projects. Uh, it's, that's for sure. But for me, the core of anything I'm involved in is to make the world a better place and to unify people in one way or the other. I actually have a background in education. I was a middle school teacher for seven uh, incredible years. Wow. Uh, where I was teaching Bible studies for seventh and eighth graders. I was also directing theater for 10 years. And then I left my job teaching, which I loved, loved. It was only going to be a one-year adventure that I was going to be doing. I left my year teaching, a uh, one-year of teaching to really pursue a dream I had in my heart ever since I was a little four-year-old orderly that was running around talking about wanting to change the world. And I started a nonprofit organization called Life Vest Inside. And the idea is that kindness keeps the world afloat like a life vest and that our greatest strength is, is right there inside of us. And the mission essentially of the organization is to inspire, empower, and educate people of all backgrounds to lead a life of kindness. Uh, but its essence is really about empowering, empowerment, empowering people to understand their value, uh, that they're unique, that they're significant. Because when a person comes to understand that they matter, then they understand that their choices matter. And when a person understands that their choices matter, they're more likely to make better choices. And as a world, if we make better choices, just think about how much greater of a world we're able to create. And this organization started with a short film I did. I had a background in film production. It was a short five-minute music video showing an act of kindness going from one person to the next to the next. And then in a sense, boomeranging, boomeranging back to the person that started it, all based on real life experiences I went through. And this film that I some, shot during my summer off from teaching went crazy viral. Wow. It reached over 100 million people globally. Wow. I have no idea how, okay? I always say, you know, Hashem, God is a CEO. I just happened to work for him. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's been an amazing journey. I've been doing that now as a full-time volunteer for the past uh, 12 years, whether it be in terms of developing educational curriculum, hosting international events in over 65 countries on the same day, uh, you know, uh, you know, inspirational media like film and also utilizing technology. So this is one of the projects uh, that I'm very much involved in. And I have other other projects as well. I can share more, but I don't want to I don't want to over overstep here. Okay, no, no, I would definitely, we're going to definitely get more into it as, as we continue our conversation. But you know, something that just hit me when you were just, when you're talking about it is like, it's so true that one act of kindness has a ripple effect. You know, you don't know, you do one act of kindness to somebody, you don't know 12 people down the road, how it's going to affect them, you know? Exactly. Yes. And I was just wondering how, you know, there, there's so many important things that we do as human beings. Why, why is it that you've decided to focus on kindness? Like it's, I'm so curious about that. So, so it's a really great question. Like I mentioned, ever since my earliest memories, like a four-year-old kid, I never, I always felt that there was something I was meant to do to bring people together in this world. I can't tell you where this passion came from. I, it's, it's really my earliest memory. My father, my parents are both, I, I absolutely adore my parents. And my father is a very, very much idealistic person. My mom is more of the realist. My dad is more of the idealist. And I definitely have that idealist in me. And it, it was always instilled in me to believe that anything I can, you know, if I if I dream of doing something, I can achieve it. But as a young kid, I didn't understand where animosity came from in the world, why there was struggle between people of different backgrounds or races or religions. I didn't understand. It hurt me. It actually I felt pain. Wow. And I always thought that I was meant to do something to bring people together, but I didn't know how. What I did know is I knew my why. 
And I always say that if a person understands their why, the how will find its way to them. Now, this went to a whole nother level for me because as a little kid talking about wanting to change the world and bring peace in the world, everyone looks at you like you're nuts. You know, you're this little naive kid. And when you're an adult talking about it, they look at you like you're even more crazy. Okay. <laughs> uh, but for me, it was reinforced in me because of an experience I went through in my adolescent years. And I often say that our lowest points are where we're at our highest potential. When we are at our lowest, we are at our highest potential. Because That's really powerful. Wow. Can you just say that again? Because that is so powerful. That is so key. This is the key to everything I've done with, with any of the initiatives. When we are at our lowest, we are at our highest potential. And there's a reason for that is because when we're pushed, right, uh, uh, you know, we're pushed against the wall. We have two ways that we can go, okay? We can allow that hardship to consume us and we can fall into it in a very, in a very dark way or we can actually utilize it. It's actually pushing us to tap into a potential that we would never have tapped into had we not been pushed to those limits. Because very often we find ourselves falling into a comfort zone where we're doing the regular things that we're doing and we're very comfortable with doing them and we're afraid to venture out of that comfort zone. It's scary. Yeah. Everyone is afraid of the unknown. We don't know what that brings. But sometimes when we're put into these circumstances or situations of hardships coming to us in our life, they're there in order to flick something on inside of us. If we take it in the right way, we, it really is where we are at our highest potential. And for me, that came in the form of a fire. When I was 15 years old, we had a fire in my house and overnight my family lost everything. I'm sorry. Thank God we physically, we were okay. And you know what? I appreciate you saying I'm sorry, but the truth of the matter is, I have to tell you, this was one of the, the single greatest gifts that God gave to me. Honestly, I'm emotional saying that right now because I, know, I, remember, I remember what I felt the moment that it happened, okay? It was definitely not a feeling of gratitude in any shape or form. It was a feeling of, a sense of being defeated. Now, you know, it does something to you when your home suddenly is just not there. You know, that place that you run to when the whole world outside is going crazy, it's your safety zone, especially as a kid, Yeah, so much so. And suddenly to not have that, but more than that, to see your parents crying. When you're a kid and you see your parents crying, I, I honestly, I don't know how to describe the emotion of it, but it's, it's heartbreaking. Because these, again, these are the people, like this is your, the people you run to when things are going wrong and suddenly they're going through something. And the last thing I wanted to do, they didn't see that I saw them crying, but the last thing I wanted to do was be more of a burden on them. I was I'm one of five kids. I'm the middle child, okay? So I, had, I was 15 years old, two younger sisters. One of them was, you know, two years old. She was just born. My brother was, I don't know, at that, at that time was, uh, you know, probably in his, just about turning 20. And the last thing I wanted to do was be a burden on my parents more than what they were already ho holding. Now, I was always a believer that everything happens for a reason. I always had a very close connection with Hashem, always. And so I kept all these emotions inside. I remember coming to school the next day. I'll never forget it. I came to school the next day and I'm like, yeah, you know, guys, my house burned down, whatever. I was making a joke of it because oftentimes when we're going through hardships, sometimes just, you know, just pu pushing it off is a way of us coping. But inside, I was a major mess. I was really a mess. And, you know, my friends didn't know what to say to me. They were going, you know, they're, ki they're teenagers. They're going through their own thing. So oftentimes when somebody goes through a tragedy, I'm sure you've experienced this before. If somebody's gone through a tragedy, some people don't know what to say. Yeah. So then they just change the subject. We're really at the end of the day, the person that's experiencing that tragedy that's in it, they don't need you to say anything. They just sort of need you to let them speak or just to be there for them. But at that age, kids didn't necessarily know how to do that. So I started keeping all these emotions inside until I couldn't do it anymore. And I sort of broke down. And I'll never forget, I went to sleep one night. It was right after we got back from a seminar at school. And I sort of just didn't wake up the next day. I fell into a very scary, scary depression. I remember I was sleeping most of the day and crying the rest of the day. Wow. That was it. And I wasn't in school for a good several months. But the thing that hurt me most 
See, I was the shyest person you ever met, by the way, as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't talk like, you know, I wouldn't even raise my hand in class. Okay. I was the kid that was a super, super duper shy kid. And I was home from school for several months. And during that time, not one person called. Stop. Not like a friend, uh, a teacher. Not one person called. Not one person checked in to see if I was okay. Wow. And to be honest, that in itself destroyed me much more than the fire did. It made me sort of feel like if I wasn't here tomorrow, would it even make a difference? Because I always believed everybody, you know, to make a difference. In the, and I, I suddenly felt like, what's the point? Does it really matter that I'm here? Do I, do I actually make a difference? And I was so angry. I had so much anger. I was angry at my family, at my friends. I was angry. I was angry at God, but he was the only one I was talking to. I was screaming at him, but at least I was talking to him. That was significant. So angry. It's very significant because when we're when we stop being able to actually scream, that's a much more dangerous situation, meaning you really have no relationship. So my my faith with with with, with God is the is the thing that got me through, even though I was super angry at him, right. but I was talking to him and no one can really get through to me. I was, I was really shut off, completely shut off, but I was forced and I was in a very dark place. When I say dark, I'm talking like suicidal dark. I was in a very, very dark place. I was forced to go back to school, but I wasn't the same kid. I was like this kid in the corner, you know, just like dressed all in black. I didn't care what the teacher said. I didn't even take notes. And I was a very studious kid. And I'll never forget one morning waking up and I was in the bathroom. We were living by my grandparents in their small, like a very small apartment. Half of us were in one place. Half of us were in another family member's place because we were a lot of kids. And I woke up and I'm in the bathroom and I was looking at myself in the mirror. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this where you really like you spot a mirror and you're really just looking at yourself deeply into your own eyes. Okay. And this is what happened to me. And the scariest thing happened. I didn't see myself. I didn't see that four-year-old kid that dreamed of changing the world looking back at me. It was like she was gone, like somebody took her. And that scared me more than anything. And I said, I cannot let this be my end. I have no idea. I have no idea how I'm going to pick myself back up. I let everything just fall. But this can't be my end. And it was in that moment in that bathroom, looking in the mirror, that I made a promise to myself. And it's a promise that guided me to all that I've done, to being a teacher, to starting Life Essence Inside, to doing the other initiatives I'm doing now with Abraham's Legacy. And it's the thing that wakes me up every day. It was a promise to be there for people the way that I wish somebody would have been there for me. And more than that, to see people, to see them for the, in the way that I wish somebody would have seen me. And those next couple of years were tough, but they did something that was the greatest thing that could have happened. It gave me a chance to fall in love with me for me. Not because I was trying to impress this one or the other. I wanted to get into that group or the other clique. I had a chance to fall in love with me just for the neshama that Hashem gave me. And I found my voice. And it all sort of came together in my senior year of high school on a, on a seminar. And a teacher was talking about obstacles. And I did something I never did before. I raised my hand. This shy kid Okay, raise their hand. And I had something to contribute to the conversation. And as I started to share, people, my, my, you know, people started to listen. You know, kids that I used to be so super intimidated from and coming af afterwards up to me and asking me for advice. And what I found is that the more I gave, the more I began to heal. And I started to realize for the first time, the difference between giving from strength and giving from weakness. Whereas prior, even though I was a shy kid, I was always kind to people. I love them, but I was giving from a place of weakness. Suddenly for the first time, I was giving from a place of strength, from a place of abundance, meaning I came to understand my own inherent value. And now I was able to see it in others. And it was coming from this a much better place. And I came out of my shell in a tremendous way in that year. And I came to understand that kindness is such a great tool to empower people to empower us to understand our sense of value, our sense of purpose. Because my ultimate mission is to empower people to understand their value. If they understand their value, then they can understand the value that is inherent in every single person. 
and then the way in which they treat others will completely transform and change. That to me is the key. But when we engage in kindness, we catch a small glimpse of our value because isn't it based on how fast we are, how pretty we are, how popular we are, famous we are, how many friends we have or how many followers that we have. You can bring a smile to another person's face simply by being who you are through a few simple words, through a smile, through an act of kindness, through a hug. And in that moment, you come to realize, wow, I did that. I just made that person smile. And suddenly we catch a glimpse of the inner neshama, the inner soul, how incredible we are just for being who we are. And once we see it, we now can see it in others. We now can embrace others for who they are, even if they have their own pathway, their own pathway to God, their own pathway to believing. We now have the ability to embrace people because we truly understand the value that each person brings, that we're all a piece of the puzzle, different shapes, different colors, but every single piece the same size. And this is a very big part of my journey. Yeah, yeah, no, I really, really love that because I think I think you hit on a, really a couple of great points. And one of them that I want to bring out is that really the first thing is we have to find the value in ourselves. Like number one, step one, you know, step exactly. one. And, you know, that's that can be hard for some people. For some people, really, it comes naturally. It's for some the people, hardest. It's so difficult. It's the hardest for everyone, by the way. I know that sometimes we can look at somebody that, you know, it seems like, oh, wow, and they're, oh, they're so famous. And that, that doesn't show up what's going on in a person. Every person, self-criticism is the biggest kind of criticism. We all question. Every person in this world has some, at some point or another, I don't care how confident you think they are, has questioned their sense of value, has questioned whether they matter. It is a natural thing to happen that we all go through. But once we can see it in ourselves and we realize that it's not attached to these external numbers, because in today's world, unfortunately, people value themselves based on these numbers, whether it be based on how much money they make or how many followers they have or how many friends they have. We base it on these numbers that really mean nothing. You have value simply because you are living here. You are here in this world. You have value just because you exist, because God doesn't create an extra person for no reason. Everyone has their purpose. That's right. It's very, very true. And I, I, I really wish that more people re will realize that. And miss, maybe after hearing your words, they will realize that, that you are valuable just because you're here. Because God found it important enough to create you, every single one of you, everybody who's watching, everybody who's listening, everybody in the world, and everybody is special and unique. And there's a purpose. Everybody has a purpose for being here. And that in itself is powerful. And like you said, once people realize this, that they are important, that they are unique, that they are powerful, and that they are important and valuable just for being here, they'll be able to see that same quality in other people. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's that simple. Uh, but again, it's not that simple because it, it is hard for us to do. It's very hard. This is the work of the heart. This is how, this is really the important work because the thing that prevents us from seeing how valuable we are, that is actually the Yetzirah. That is our evil inclination that is preventing us, that's making us think, wow, you know, um, I, I, no, I don't deserve to do this or no, I'm not, I'm not good enough or I, no, you, you are not your mistakes. We all make mistakes and that's okay. And it's okay to sometimes feel down. You're not supposed to always feel happy. That's impossible. And anybody tells you otherwise is just lying to you. It's okay to have our downs. It's okay. But it's about being able to come back up and realizing, yes, we had this. And to experience all the emotions. Allow yourself to experience the emotions that you're feeling. Don't deny the emotions that you're feeling. Because if you do that, just like I did when I was 15 and I, I just kept everything inside, eventually you will break. And it will be very hard to come out of that. Uh, but to, to know... You're, you're not alone in this. And everything has its purpose. Everything has its meaning. But again, it's much easier said than done. True. It's, and it takes work. It's not an overnight work. You know. No, I mean? it's it, not it, overnight work. And it's no. not a video game. You don't just beat the game and then you're good to go the rest of your life. Right. It's a constant struggle throughout our life. Constant. Ups and downs. Constant. Thank you. I'm glad that you said that because sometimes sometimes we can really feel on top of the world. Like we can really feel, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I've arrived. I do feel my worth. And then a couple of months later, a couple of weeks later, exactly. you're down. And then you have to get yeah. yourself back up again. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's what happens. And uh, for me, what lifted me up was is, is my connection to Hashem. And, the, and knowing that, you know, like we say every morning, that God has faith in, in us. That he's basically always say, you know, the, the, the first thing that we say in the morning when we say modani and we, we talk about the last two words are rabamunatecha, your great faith in me. Sort of the concept behind this is 
you know, what does that mean? Shouldn't we say our great faith in you? No, no, no. Every day when you wake up and you take that first deep breath in, it's sort of like God calling to all the angels and say, come, 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 come. Let's take a look at what Vera is going to do today. Take a look at what Orly is going to do today. Meaning the king of the universe is betting on you. Even if everyone else in your surroundings aren't betting against you, just remember the king of the universe is betting on you. Now it's time for you to bet on yourself. So powerful. So powerful. Wow. And I also want to go back to something else that you said, just to, because I think it's so rich. There's a lot of, there's a lot of debt that we're going to go into right now. You were talking about giving from a place of strength versus giving from a place of weakness. And I just yeah. want to see if maybe we can go in a little bit more because what, what, so what is giving from a place of weakness? Like, what does that mean? Great question. So giving from a place of weakness, it doesn't mean that your giving is fake. Okay. So I want to say that. Okay. So for some people, it could be. It's like a fake kind of giving. It's just a show off. But we, but again, why is it a fake kind of giving? What's really going on inside of the person's heart? You know, we have to dig deeper. You know, why is that the case? So giving from a place of weakness can be, again, stems really from the lack of our understanding that we have value. So sometimes we give from weakness because we want to be accepted, because maybe we want to impress somebody, okay? Or we want to impress a specific group. We want to be liked, Okay. So that's where giving from weakness is. And the thing is about it is that only you know whether your giving is coming from strength or weakness. And I'll give you a litmus test for it. If after you give, you feel depleted, that's giving from weakness. Giving never leaves the person feeling depleted. It leaves you feeling very fulfilled. There are some people that are naturally givers, okay? Like myself, there's a danger to being naturally a giver. There is a danger. Okay, and that's you might fall into that category of sometimes going to give from weakness. What do I mean by that? We, you know, the concept of life vest inside. What happens when you go on a plane? What's the first thing they're telling you? In case of an emergency, what are you supposed to do? Put on your life vest and then help the person next to you. What if the person next to you is a kid, you say? No, no, no. Put on your life vest. And then what's the idea? They're not cruel. They understand that if you drown, you can't help anybody else. You cannot, which means that we have to remember kindness to ourselves is important. That doesn't mean that we're, that we are, uh, you know, self-absorbed. I'm not talking about that kind of a kindness. The idea is that if you're going to be sacrificing something that's very, very crucial to you in order to help somebody, that you're hurting yourself, okay? Or you're not giving from a place of feeling ab- abundance, that you're feeling like you're just, maybe you're doing this, it's coming from ne- maybe the wrong reasons, from the wrong energy eventually you can come to resent that same giving. And that's very dangerous. So when people sometimes are very extra kind and sometimes people can take advantage of them, there is a danger that the same hero can turn into a villain. You know, between a hero and a villain are very, very much the same energies. You have to be very careful. What do I mean by that? I know it sounds, it could sound a little bit crazy, okay? But the thing is, if giving, if if, if your giving is making you feel depleted, okay? It's coming from a negative space and you're giving because maybe you want to receive something in exchange. Maybe again, maybe it's that sense of being accepted. Maybe it's somebody giving something to you or if it's not just simply coming from the essence of giving and you don't end up receiving, you might come to resent it and say, I don't understand. I'm doing and I'm giving and nobody and this person isn't seeing me and that person. You have to be careful because the moment you feel depleted, you need to stop giving outwardly to the world. You need to start giving inwardly to yourself. That doesn't mean to be mean to people. That doesn't mean to, you know, to, 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 you know, to be uh, self-absorbed. It means sometimes we need giving for ourselves. We need to take the time, whether it's going for a walk ourselves, seeing a movie, reading a book, I don't know, going to the doctor, taking some time to take care of us, okay? Because otherwise you will be left depleted and you will not be as strong. You won't be able to lift others up. You won't be able to keep them afloat because you are drowning exactly Exactly. giving from strength Mm -hmm. comes from a place of abundance it comes from sort of like a candle i always explain it with a candle what's the beauty of a candle it has this amazing flame and now you take this candle and you have a hundred other candles and you're lighting other candles yet the flame of the first candle it's not being depleted it's not going it's not going anywhere it's still nice and strong That is giving from abundance. You understand, you recognize that you have inherent value. Irregardless if someone is going to give back to you or not, you're not doing it from that place. Okay? 
And so it's coming from a much, much stronger place. It's coming from a, a place of strength, something that doesn't let you feel depleted, but something that lets you feel empowered, that you're adding more and more light. Wow. Yet you're not being depleted as you're continuing to give. Um, so this is how sort of I explain it. I mean, there's really a lot to it because there can be many, many different kinds of scenarios, but that's the general idea. I always tell people, if giving is leaving you feeling depleted, that's a sign. Stop giving outwardly and start giving a little bit inwardly because then you're giving to the world moving forward will be, be much stronger. You'll be much stronger to be able to lift others up as you're continuing along your path. You know, I really love that because, you know, as you were talking about feeling depleted, what's coming to me is, is mothers. You know, as mothers, we give so much to our children. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and we often, we often feel like we give and we give and we give. And you're right. We do sometimes feel resentment because either the kids don't appreciate it or the husband doesn't appreciate it or whoever we're giving to doesn't appreciate it. And it's just a lot. And we just keep on giving. And then you're right. We feel that resentment. You know, and that's, and that's, a, that could become a danger. Now that doesn't mean you need to forget about, Hey mothers, forget about your task of taking care of your kids and preparing. That doesn't mean that. Right. But even if you give a little bit to yourself, yes. something, a moment having in a sense, you know, we have Shabbat. That's fantastic. That's once a week, but we can create our own little Shabbatot during the day. Okay. Prayer is that time, right? Where you can, it's the time of reflection. It's about doing something in your week, even if it's once a week, that is for you. And it could be something small because in a sense, it's like you're taking, you know, you're recharging your battery. You're recharging, okay? Because look, the the, the work of a mother is this is unconditional love. And of course, there is not going to be always uh, a understanding of, of appreciation for, for what we do as, as mothers. I hope to be a mother someday soon. Bezrat Hashem, I cannot wait to have kids. I cannot wait. But even though that is part of it, yes, we're not going to necessarily have that sense of appreciation. It's very important that we appreciate ourselves, that we take that time to appreciate ourselves, uh, and that it's it's not at a, a, a it's not at a sacrifice of our own well being. The extra minutes, uh, it, it's it's extremely important. Thank you so much for, for, for saying that and for bringing that up and just for, you know, just giving us a reminder, you know, just take some time out of your day and then we'll be stronger for our kids and for our husband yes. and for everybody else. Yes. Yes. And you won't feel that sense of, ah, uh, depletion and resentment and or sacrifice, the sense of, oh, sacrifice. Yes. No, giving is not a sacrifice. Giving is an opportunity. Yes. That's how it should feel. I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I totally agree that giving is an opportunity and I totally agree that it should feel like that. We should feel good when we're giving. We're not, we, we shouldn't feel um, that giving is an obligation. You know what I mean? Or that giving exactly. is like a, a chore or a hardship or anything like that. Yeah. We should be giving joyfully and because we want to give, you know, it comes yes. from a different place. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, so I want to, to talk a little bit about some of your other initiatives and so we can get more, you know, into depth on other things when, once we're talking about that. Um, I know that you wrote um, an incredible book called Kindness Boomerang. And so can you please tell us about that book and also about the impact that this book has had on the world? Ah, so it's actually named after the film that I told you about, the viral film. It's yes. also called, the film is called Kindness Boomerang. And then the book is also has the same name, Kindness Boomerang, How to Save the World and Yourself Through 365 Daily Acts. Wow. And essentially what this book is, it's broken into 12 categories of kindness. The first one, can you guess which it is? It's kindness with yourself. That's the first category. It's so okay. perfect. <laughs> it is exactly fits in. So there are 12 categories, whether it's kindness with yourself uh, and in the home, in the work, at school, with strangers, in nature, there are 12 categories. And essentially what happens in the course of the book, there's one page for every day of the year, which I love because it, it's, it, it's a lesson a day. Right. And it's only a short read. Every day is, is just one page. It's a short one minute read. And it has within it an act of kindness that pertains to that specific category, an inspirational quote also connected to the act, and then a short form reflection on the power of paying it forward. Again, connected to the act. The whole purpose of this book, I can probably sum up in one word, okay. and that's awareness. The purpose of this book is awareness. There's no person you're going to go to 
and say, hey, uh, you know, do you believe in kindness? And they're going to say, ah, kindness, not, that's, not, that's not for me. I'll pass. <laughs> no one's going to say that. Or if you ask somebody, are you a kind person? No one's going to say, me, kind? No, I'm not kind. <laughs> no one will say that. That's crazy. Because kindness is very broad. Now, the problem with it being very broad is that, you know, we all believe in kindness. I don't, I don't think there's a human in the world that doesn't believe in, in the concept of kindness, okay? But because it's so broad, we don't see the opportunities that are around us to actually make it become practical. How do we practice it? How do we incorporate it into our practical life? So the purpose of the book is that each day gives you a practical application of kindness, something small that you can apply. And it's not about whether you applied it that day or not. It's whether about your awareness was increased of it that day or not. Because the way to make a change in our life, the first prerequisite to making change is awareness that this act, this specific action is kindness, that there is something to actually do. If you don't have awareness, then you don't have anything. So the purpose of it is when you read it, is that suddenly the awareness is going to now come to you. You know, I remember I was back when I was a teacher, I used to do these acts of kindness cards, which we still have now within the organization. These acts of kindness cards that have a different act of kindness on each card. You know, and then on the back, it said, hold, you know, it said, um, you know, perform the act and pass the card to somebody else. Let's keep the kindness going. And the idea is that when you perform this action, you pass it on. You never know where that card is going to go, who it's going to reach, how's life it's going to touch. And one day I come into class and I'm giving out cards and it's random, you know, all different cards. And one of the kids gets his card and it says on it, hold the door open for someone. The next day he rushes into class. Orly, Orly. I said, what? You're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe what happened. I said, what happened? He said, the second after you gave me the card, everywhere I looked, there were doors that needed to be open. There was a door there and there was a door there. And I started to laugh. And he said, why are you laughing? I said, because those doors were there yesterday and the day before. I said, but now, now your awareness is increasing. So now when you see a door, you don't just see a door, you see an opportunity. You see an opportunity to bring kindness to another by opening that door. And only because you're aware of those doors will now you be able to take action, a practical action on that inspiration that you feel. And that's the purpose of the book. And it's been utilized in many ways. It's been utilized in schools throughout the world because it's in five languages right now. And how do they incorporate it? Many schools will incorporate it into their morning announcements. That On the loudspeaker, they have morning announcements and they'll read the act for the day. Again, to do oh, what? Wow. To increase the awareness of the students of, hey, this is an act of kindness. Maybe you'll have the opportunity to perform it. Some will incorporate into their language arts curriculum where once a week they read an act from, you know, over the course of that, that week within the book. And the students share and have a conversation about that act and even journal about their experience with over the coming week, and so on and so forth. It's being used in boardrooms, okay? That at work, when you're having a staff meeting, that they're reading an act from kindness in the workplace. You know, because oftentimes we forget. Kindness doesn't mean, yeah, I do kindness on Mondays and Wednesdays from four to five. But people <laughs> look at it, oh, you know, I do chesed, I did charity today, okay. I, I, I volunteered at the soup kitchen. That is not kindness. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful act. It is an act of kindness that is true. But that is not the essence of kindness. Kindness is not what we do. Kindness is who we are. It is not a checklist item. It's the way in which you see the world. But it begins with the way in which you see yourself. If we can put on our eyes the lens of kindness... It's not about, oh, now I have to make time in my day for kindness. No, you're walking by the security guard on your way into school, or your way into work, and you smile or you say, hope you have a great day. You didn't have to put in extra time. It's about what you do when you're getting from point A to point B. It's not about scheduling it in. Okay, I'm going to do kindness today. Okay, I'm busy. Maybe next week I'll do kindness. No, <laughs> it's a simple shift in perspective. It's a simple shift in the intention in which you are engaging with people. That's all it is. And that shift that. makes yeah. all the difference. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a mindset. It's a kindness is a mindset. And I love that you said like kindness is who we are, not what we do. Because when we are kindness, 
it just comes out of us. Exactly. Yes, and act. It comes out and acts. I'm sure some of us have experienced people that are these major volunteers do a lot of things, but the way that they look at you up and down when you walk into a place makes you feel like zero. Is that person kind? Do we define that person as a kind person because they went through the motions? Or is it something internalized? Kindness, in order for it to really create impact in the world, must be internalized. It cannot just be something we do by rote. It has to be seeping from our essence of who we are. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It's so powerful because it's, you know, when we create awareness and we, when we create a mindset shift within ourselves, we, we change energetically. Each person is energy. We change energetically. And when we change energetically, we give other people almost permission. I say permission in quotes because everybody has permission all the time, but we give others permission to change energetically and to also incorporate kindness into who they are and then to pay it forward like that. That's exact. By the way, you're, you're saying it exactly. It is contagious, but we, this is not just me saying this. Oh, it's a, such a flowery idea. No, no. There's actually scientific evidence behind this. We have a film called The Science of Kindness. It actually explains just what you said, (laughs) that when you do an action of kindness, when you're engaged in kindness, you're not only impacting the person that you're doing it for, it spreads through three degrees of separation. Yes. Plus, all those who witnessing are witnessing you, you're not even giving anything to them. All those that witness you engaging in that act of kindness are also impacted positively. So just think about the thousands of people that we can be impacting on a daily basis simply by making better choices. But in order to make better choices, guess what we have to realize? That our choices matter. And to understand that our choices matter, we have to understand that we ourselves matter. It's, oh my gosh, it's so powerful. And actually, you know what? It's so so interesting because along those lines, I wanna ask you a very, very interesting question. Because I know that you are also passionate about empowering people to recognize their potential and to share their light in this world. And you aim to provide the tools and the guidance to help them get there. And yeah. it's so true that Hashem, that God gave each and every one of us a very special mission in the world that only we can accomplish and no one else could do it for us, as we were talking about earlier. But yes. I, know that, I know that shining our own unique light in this world is very hard for so many people. So I want to see what you can say to those people who don't know what their light is, like the ones who are still in search for their, of their life mission. And also, what can you say to those people who have already identified their life mission, but they're too shy or too scared to let themselves shine and be seen? So it's a uh, little part question. Uh, what, a, what a question. And this is such a critical question. I have to tell you, you know, that right before that we got on, I'm, I'm not going to mention her name, okay, uh, just to, you know for her privacy, but I had someone someone come over that I'm working with she, you know, she, uh, she's an influencer in her own right. I, I, I never liked the word influencer because I think we're all influencers. I think that every action we do influences people. So I think that that's just a, a very broad term. But she is in this exact place where she doesn't understand. She's not sure yet what that light is inside of her. And we were going through discussing how she can take this bigger than life idea. Many people have dreams, but it's very hard to know how to execute on your dreams. Yes. One of one of a specialty that I feel like Hashem blessed me with is to help people take an idea that's much bigger than themselves, break it into its parts, and learn how to execute on it. It's a very it's a skill. Okay, I didn't know that it's a skill. I just it, it's something that's very much a part of me. Okay, I love doing this for people. I love doing this for people. Now, for those that for those that have not found what their path or their direction is yet, don't put, put, put too much pressure on you. You have to realize something. Hashem whispers to us. He speaks to us through whispers, through the things that we see, through the experiences that we've had. Oftentimes, like I said before, right, when we're at our lowest, we're at our highest potential, oftentimes the reason and the purpose of you being here and the thing that you can give into this world oftentimes comes from something that was maybe hard for you, okay? Something that you overcame, mm-hmm. okay? Many people will take a, a hardship that they've gone through and then take that energy of it and flip it into something positive. Now, that's not every single person's story, okay? But the thing is not to put too much pressure on yourself. Allow yourself to be open. What that means is allow yourself, you have to give God also permission to help guide you. If we try to segment and to plan everything and we're very much, you know, we don't allow the magic to happen. Oftentimes, the magic of, of an idea, of an inspiration, of a concept of thought, a project that we have, 
comes from random moments, bumping into a stranger or something that somebody said to you or a sign that you saw. It's important to allow yourself to be open and to let God in so that he can guide you. Now, if you have an idea, and I always tell this to people, okay? It, and so many of the ideas that I've had, for example, the Kindness Boomerang film, that was a dream I had. Literally, it was a dream I had. I woke up and I, I wrote out what my dream was and put it into fruition. The Abraham's Legacy app that I created was a dream I had, okay? The biggest event I've done for Life Fest called Dance for Kindness was a dream I had, okay? In a dream. I had a dream about this. Now, if an idea comes to you, it is not happenstance. Understand that. If an idea comes to you, that is today's form of nivuah. okay? It's not nivuah in the way that we know it, but... It, it means God is sharing with you an idea to you specifically. Now, he might share that same idea with a few other people. The question is, who's going to take action upon it, right? Now, it can be in different ways. But if you have that idea, that means go with it. Now, the question is, orally, okay, go with it. What am I going to do? I don't have any money. I don't have any expertise. How am I supposed to come up? How am I supposed to make this happen? Stop thinking about the how. Stop thinking about the how. Think about the why. Why is it important to you? Take a piece of paper or take a computer and just literally just put out all of your words onto paper. Type it out. Type out the idea. Even if you have no idea where it's going to go, you have no concept of what it's going to be. You take a, a paper and you just sketch it. That is the first step. You need to Take a step when you're in inspirational mode. When you're an inspired with an idea, put it on paper. Put pen to paper in some way. Now, you might not think, oh, but yeah, but how? But, but I don't have the money. Stop. Stop already with the how. Stop. <laughs> like, it's, it, don't do that. You're limiting God. You're saying, God, I don't believe you can help me get this done. What, what are you doing? He created the whole world. What do you think? Can't help you. But you have to take the steps. You have to do what you can. The, again, the biggest the biggest uh, example I can give for you, I'll take something from, from Life Fest because we haven't yet spoken about Abraham's legacy. Um, but with Life Fest, I had this idea. It was in a dream. In my dream, there were tens of thousands of people standing in front of the UN. Okay, I know it's going to sound funny. And they were holding a flag of their country. And on the other side of the flag, it said the 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 motto of the organization by living kindly change is possible and everyone was singing and dancing in my dream now i woke up this was a dream very nice i'm not a dancer in any shape or form okay i'm an athlete i can't dance in my whole life so now i have this dream and i'm like wow dance kindness there's a connection there because when we dance there's a sense of euphoria right that's why rikudei am right that we have that was a sense of community, of connecting, of being happy. There's scientific evidence behind that as well, that dance actually promotes a health. We feel we releasing endorphins. Our level of happiness increases. I said, if I can get the world to put aside their differences for one day and dance and realize that even though we might be all different, kindness is a common thread that unites us. Just like dance, it's a, it's a universal language. That can be really cool. And who am I? This, you know, this is a young kid from Brooklyn with my computer. I had no money. I had no, no dance background, no idea how I was going to reach people around the world. What am I doing? Who am I, what am I, who am I to do such a thing? And so I did what I know best. I created a model. I organized just the dance in my local community, in the city with people from my local community. Okay. Created a dance. Somebody that created a dance. We did it in Times Square. I, we filmed it and I wrote out a model. I literally just, I took, I took a, my computer. I started typing out a model. How did I organize this event? I don't know how to organize an event. You know, I went over to Times Square. I remember knocking on the door and I asked the guy there. I said, I'm looking, I want these billboards here. I, I want them. Now you, a person says, I want these billboards. They're looking like you're crazy. Who are you? I was sitting in my knapsack coming. How do I get these billboards? I want to do a big event about the kindness. And the guy said, you know, I love your energy. I'm going to help you. Every year, we had 20 minutes on the Times Square billboard Amazing. on an international day of World Kindness Day for zero. Stop. No money? Zero. What money? I had no money. Oh, my God. Who does the things? Not me. God, he's the CEO. I just 100%. work for him. 100%. I have to do my part. 
you have to knock on the doors. It's scary because sometimes they'll slam in your face. But you need to knock on the doors and let God take care of the rest. It's not easy. And trust me, there, there have been plenty of times where I was afraid to do. And I was feeling low and I was feeling down. I can't do this. It's Like I said, it's a constant up and down type of a struggle. From that one event that I then created a model and posted up on social media, say, hey, guys, I have this crazy idea. Okay, uh, I want to do an international flash mob around the world on World Kindness Day. There's the same song and the same dance. 30 people reached out from 15 countries, year one. We have video footage from all the countries, put it together in a montage. The first time I saw that video, I was hysterical crying. And everyone's wearing the logo of the, of the organization and waving the flag of their country and waving the flag. And I realized this is crazy. This was just a dream that now we're in 65 countries on the same day, all run by people just like you and me. Regular group leaders from age 10, we've had group leaders to age 76, people that had never organized an event before because I created a model. Because I didn't think about how, I just wrote down. I started to do. We learn by doing. So you have to learn how to break down things into their parts. What's the big, you have to dream big, but you must think small. You can have the big dream, but just think of what's my next step. Because sometimes when we look at the big dream and the gap between where we are and where we want to be, if I said in the beginning, I'm going to reach 65 countries on, it, it would have been such a big gap that you know what happened? I would have collapsed. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it because I'd be like, this is too hard. What am I doing? And go on to the next thing. And then for kindness never would have become the phenomenon that it is. But instead, I did what I could in my own little community. And I created a model. And then it grew to 15, 15 countries. And then 30, then 40, then 50, then 65. Amazing. That's how it starts. It starts small. And don't think that there aren't failures along the way. There will be plenty of failures. But it's up to you. God is betting on you. It's up to you whether you will learn from your failures and continue or not. And that's the difference. That's why, you know, pursuing these big things, these dreams, not everyone is doing them. Why? Because it's not so easy. But always remember your why. Always remember your why. And, and things are possible. Break them down into small segments. Give yourself, hold yourself accountable. If it's having an accountability partner, if it's having somebody, you know, if, you, if it's calling you up and having me telling you, hey, this is what you got to, whatever you need to do, you find that person in your life that's going to help you make yourself accountable or you do it for yourself and you, and you get started. You start to do and let take God take care of the how. That is so beautiful and so powerful because you're right. You don't have to have a million dollars. You know, you don't have to think, oh. oh, you know, who am I? I'm not this big millionaire. I don't have any money to do anything that I want. But it's not true. And you you prove that it's not true. You could just, oh, yeah, pen, paper, no money, but dream big. I think that's the key. Dream big, but start small. And I love the exactly. way that you really, really, you know, broke that down for us because you could have a really big dream. And if you're thinking about it, how you're going to go from zero to 100 in 15 seconds, it's not going to happen. But if no. you start small, little step, tiny, tiny, little baby steps, then you can eventually like climb, I guess, the, the staircase, envisioning a staircase to your Exactly. Dream. And then when you when you accomplish something, we as people, we love checking things off of a checklist that it encourages us to continue to grow. Before my before the friend that I told you was here right before, I, I, I gave her homework. She had homework. This is just step one, step two, step three. Some people don't know how to do that. So you need to find somebody that can help you do that. Or you can think about it for yourself. Okay. How would you do this? Work backwards. What are the steps? And make yourself tasks, homework that you're going to do so you could take smaller steps. She doesn't have any money to do what she's looking to do. She doesn't need it. She just needs to take some small steps. It will take time. It's not going to happen overnight. And let me tell you something. All these overnight success stories that we hear of all the... Just so you know, if you actually looked into them, none of them are overnight, okay? It's overnight because they went... It's not overnight. There were years of work that they did prior, but nobody tells you about that. Exactly. Okay? So we look, everybody's looking to become famous overnight and in this world of, of digital media. It's like, oh, we stop with over. That, that's, that's instant gratification. That's not playing the long game. Play the long game. Instant gratification, as fast as it came, it can go. 100%. Play the long game. You're worth investing in. 
just one step at a time, one rung, like the ladder that we saw, right? What's the ladder that, that Yaakov had, right? Connecting the upper world and the lower world. That's to remind us, one rung at a time. You can't jump from the bottom rung to the top rung. You're going to fall, right? One rung at a time. You'll get there. You'll get there. I love that. I love that. Um, it's so powerful. And we have a few minutes left, but I do want to hear about Abraham's legacy. Can you please tell us about that? hundred percent. So this was also a dream I had. This is an app I created in memory of my grandfather, Alava Shalom, Avraham Ben Pauline. Uh, and this was a dream that I had when he was ill. Okay. I had a dream about this specific app. This is eight years ago. He fell and he broke his hip on Pesach. All of a sudden overnight, that was it. They told us any day now. We're like, what? He broke his hip. What are you talking about? But when a person's older and they have other issues, one thing can lead to another and it becomes this like sort of cycle. So the first thing that we did is we turned to Tefillah, to Tehillim. And we broke down the book of Tehillim, okay? Um, between his kids, grandkids, and everybody was supposed to read specific parakim every day so we could finish the book for his refuah. And I was in charge. But I started to be worried. What if people didn't finish reading? Who's going to be the guy to say, oh, I forgot to read for grandpa today. Who wants to be that guy? Nobody. So I said, look, when somebody's life is in the balance, every tefillah counts. So I took the book of Tehillim and quietly I said, you know what? Today, day one, I'm going to read the whole book of Tehillim today. And I did that. That day I finished the whole book. Next day, I did the same thing. That week I did the same thing. Month, I was doing this for months every day. Wow. I saw the most amazing miracles, by the way. About two weeks into doing this, I had a dream about this app, Abraham's Legacy that allows people to collectively complete the book of Tehillim in unison in real time in all different languages in splits of a second, okay? Wow. To, to combat something that I really needed to happen. So I had a dream of this app and I woke up, I remember telling it to my mom. Now I have no background in mobile development or anything like this. And I took pages, if you saw this, oh my God, I'm telling you very, you, would, you wouldn't believe it, okay? I just took, I'm, and I'm not an artist, okay? <laughs> and I started sketching out what I saw in my dream. I just started sketching it on paper and I had no clue how it was going to come into fruition. Now, after he passed, okay, um, and we had him for many more months than we were supposed to. I remember one night they called us up. They said, rush to the hospital. That's it. He's going to go any minute now. So I grabbed my book of Tehillim and I would always love standing by his bedside to read. And I started saying the, the, the Tehillim and I get to Perik Kuf Yudchet Pasuk Yud Zayin, okay? And, um, excuse me, now I'm getting mixed up with the Perakim. Anyways, I'll tell you the Pasuk. And I get to this Pasuk and I stop dead in my tracks and I keep repeating the verse over and over and over and over and over again. And I said, Hashem, I'm not going to stop saying this verse until I see it happen. I will stay here and say this verse over and over again. What is the verse? Lo amut ki Which means, Lo amut, God, please don't let him die. Let him live. And I promise you, I will speak of your great actions, of your great deeds, the power of tefillah. And I kept saying it. Thank God. Not only did we have him throughout the night, but we had him for several more months. And when he passed, I found in his tefillin bag a tehillin book. And I took it out. And I saw a gold arrow bookmark. And I opened it up. And what pasuk was it on? Wow. And it was in that moment that I looked up, I said, Hashem, I got it. You did your part of the deal. Now it's my turn to do my part. Now I had no idea how to do this. I had no money. Okay. So I first found a designer that was like charging me like $5 an hour. Okay. Literally. Okay. It's $5 an hour. And I said, here's my designs. I want to come up first. I'm going to do, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to develop it ever, but I'm going to take the next step which is to design it. So I designed it. Wow, now I'm seeing it happen. I start writing out the functionality of it as though it's already happened, how it's going to work, what's going to happen when you click on this button, that button, the next. And at the time, a few years prior, I had gone into a, a, a car accident and it was, it was a pretty bad accident. Uh, I was hit, I was hit um, very hard from behind. It was a right. Well, it was a whole long story. I'm not going to get into it right now. Bottom line, I said is, if anything comes from this, I'm going to put it towards Abraham's legacy to bringing Abraham's legacy. It was many years that had passed, and I even forgot about it. After I finished the designs, guess what happened? 
money came through from this. Okay. The most ridiculous way. I wasn't making any money. I was, I was a full-time volunteer for life. inside. I was living at home. I had all my money was in the organization. I donated all my money to it. Okay. How am I going to do this? And suddenly Hashem brings this, this thing. He shows me, here's how, here's your next step. You great. You did your job. Now you're on to get to get to level three. And the next step was to develop it. And that's what I used the funding to do until finally it came into fruition right by COVID time. And wow. it's been growing organically because I don't have the money to market it. It's been growing organically. We have over 20,000 users, over a million books of Tehillim have been read all in the Zahud of my grandfather. Oh my okay? gosh. And it allows people to come onto the app. You click and you receive, you know, they have all these WhatsApp groups. Everyone's yes. writing one, two, five, eight. Oh my yes. gosh. And then you feel bad to leave because people see you left and he's getting constantly pinged every half a second. This does, takes away all that issue. You come in, there's two ways. You could come in, you can click in the global read and you get the next chapter in the global count. So if the book is up to chapter 50 and you clicked, you get 51. The next guy can't gets 52. Simultaneously, 100,000 people click. It's, gonna, it, it's going to distribute it into upcoming books. You have to confirm that you read it. The app knows if you've read it and then it counts it towards the count. And you can also create circles. You can have your own circle, sort of like a WhatsApp group, but much better. You can have as many people as you want in the circle. And when people click, they just get the next chapter. You could chat with the members of your circle. There's a leaderboard to show you who's read the most daily and weekly. And it's a network for Tehillim. And more than wow. that, we have events that we create. You get connected with people from around the world because they see you reading. You know, like there's like a leaderboard who's read the most daily and weekly throughout the app. And the features, the new features that I'm working on potentially adding to it are tremendous. Again, I had the same situation today. I don't have, how am I going to develop it further? I don't have the funding to do it. So I said, all right, I got to take the next step. I had a meeting today. I don't know how it's going to happen. I had a meeting today just to figure out, okay, if I want to add this, well, what, what do I need? I'm doing, I'm putting in the time. I don't know how I'm going to come up with the money. Okay, I need to have, I need to have to raise $50,000 right now to do this next additional features. I don't have that. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I had the meeting today and I'm going to do the work. When we get off, I have to write down exactly what I'm looking to create because I learned that I got to put it. What do I need to do? The first time you have an idea, you need to put it to paper. Yes. Put it to paper and understand that God is involved in the process. You are not the CEO of anything. You, He's the CEO. You just work for him. And understand and trust in the process. And I hope that it will continue to grow. I'm in, I'm in the same scenario right now again, you know. So th this is the, the concept of Abraham's legacy. And to unify people through the power of Tehillim and how we can connect technology and tradition. How we can, I always say my goal, my, my dream that I had is all the people that are at the Kotel, for example, and around the world during Selichot, Imagine if we get Abraham's legacy in all those, all those people's hands. Imagine everybody clicking and in one minute finishing thousands of books. In one minute. You're so right. That is my dream, by the way. That's the vision I see. It hasn't happened yet, but because I see it, I know, I, I know it will happen. That's part of my goal uh, with where this is going to go. To show people the power of connecting through prayer that in a minute, no matter where you are, because you could see how many people are with you reading at the same time and in how many countries in the app. You can see that. Amazing. Oh, it's incredible. And people can, how can, how can people get the, the app? Ah, it's, so it's a free app, number one. It will always be free, okay? It's called Abraham's Legacy. It's for iOS and it's for Android. It's not yet as a web-based app. I hope to raise the funds in order to make that happen, okay? So you could just search up Abraham's Legacy on the app store or you could go to abrahamslegacy.com and you'll be able to click to download it there. You have the app itself and the books are in four languages hebrew english spanish and french okay so it can connect people from all over the world through tihlim uh, and in addition to that i mean yeah you can also see our classes i do we do classes on a regular basis on our youtube channel you can see loads of classes about tihlim we have another one coming up tomorrow like you know so it's it's a really amazing community of of uh, of people i highly recommend downloading that and getting rid of those WhatsApp groups for Tehillim. Using this, this is a source that has a Tehillim already on it uh, to connect people in, 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 a, in a really wonderful way. And you can create your own circles for whether it be your school or your community or an organization. 
and everyone can be focused directly there and you write the list of the people that you're praying for. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic resource. Wow. You're such an inspiration. Thank you so much, Orly. This has been, this has been amazing. Truly amazing. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure. This was really uh, fantastic to connect. And the only thing I could tell people out there is just remember if God didn't put an extra letter in the Torah, you think he's going to put an extra person in the world? I know it's sometimes difficult to believe that we have a purpose and we feel like other people are doing it better than us. But stop looking into another person's suitcase. Look into your own. Look at what God put into your suitcase, the struggles, the happiness, the moments, the talents, the skills that you have. There is a reason for you being here. You may not have found it yet, but don't ever let go of that understanding because we need you. The world needs you to shine so that we as a world can get to a better place. Without you, the puzzle is just not complete. Uh, and it's very important to remember that, but I know it's hard. I trust, I know it's hard. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much, Orly, for joining us on America's Top Rabbitsons. It was, oh my gosh, it was such a pleasure to have you with us. And may the tremendous learning that we did today be for Rafu Shalema, for Miriam Badanida, Raphael Hayim Mer, Ben Simahatia, Leahana Batova, Nahara Halal Bat Leva Batsheva, and Leva Bat Esther. Thank you so much again. Thank you.